Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, February 12th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. Senate trial of Donald Trump moving into a new phase on Capitol Hill as Democrats rest their case against the former president, warning that if he's acquitted by Republican senators, he could incite violence once again. As the U.S. passes 475,000 coronavirus deaths, some promising news coming from the White House surrounding vaccine supply and next steps in combating the pandemic. And the push for 15. Can Joe Biden succeed in raising the federal minimum wage to $15? An in-depth look at those efforts. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin in Washington, where the second impeachment trial of former President Trump is now underway after two emotional days of recapping the events of January 6 by House Democrats. It's now up to Trump's legal team to lay out their defense. Janet Rodriguez has the very latest from Washington. Janet. That's right. At this hour, both of former President Trump's uh, lawyers are arguing that this is simply an unconstitutional and unfair trial, that it is politically motivated and an act of political vengeance. They argued that the former president opposes mob violence in any form and places, that in no way that speech of January 6 was a motivation for what the mob came here to do in Washington. They argue that they were well aware those who stormed the Capitol were well aware of what they were going to do and their intentions and they were they could have not been motivated by that speech because they had uh, they already had the intention to come here to storm the Capitol they are also also arguing at this hour that the evidence presented by the impeachment managers by the Democrats who had for the past two days presented very strong evidence well they said that this evidence was simply uh, divorced from the facts that that the president could have not incited violence that that call, that phrase of fight like hell that the Democrats used to prove their point, what the president used to say in some of his speeches, well, they're saying that simply many politicians have used phrases like that in the past and that should not be taken in any way as something, it should be a metaphor, that it should not be construed as a call to actually fight, physically fight. Here's a little more of what the lawyers are saying at this hour. To claim that the president in any way wished, desired, or encouraged lawless or violent behavior is a preposterous and monstrous lie. In fact, the first two messages the president sent via Twitter once the incursion of the Capitol began were, stay peaceful and no violence because we are the party of law and order. The gathering on January 6th was supposed to be a peaceful event. Make no mistake about that. They're also arguing uh, that this is simply an infringement of the First Amendment of political speech. And uh, they are not supposed to, the, the, the lawyers for the president are not supposed to use up their 16 hours of defense that they're allowed between today and tomorrow to defend the president. We expect this to be a short, um, a short defense uh, that they want to, we know that they want to wrap this trial as soon as possible. And if the Democrats, the, uh, the impeachment managers do not call 
call up any witnesses and at this hour we're not expected for them to call any witnesses tomorrow or the day after. This trial could wrap up as soon as tomorrow. That vote to either convict or find the president innocent could come this Saturday. Back to you. Trial yesterday during their final day of arguments, House managers really tried to convince senators that Trump did not show remorse and saying that if given the chance, the ex-president could provoke more violence in the future. This morning, former President Donald Trump's legal team is preparing to mount their defense following a blistering presentation from Democrats. House managers warning if the Senate does not convict Trump, the violence seen on January 6th may happen again. If we pretend this didn't happen, or worse, if we let it go unanswered, who's to say it won't happen again? They say Trump knew exactly what he was doing when he told his supporters to march onto the Capitol and later showed no remorse for it. He struck a match and he aimed it straight at this building, at us. Managers went on to insist that many rioters believed they were taking direct orders from Trump that day. Donald Trump had sent them there. They truly believed that the whole intrusion was at the president's orders. And we know that because they said so. I thought I was following my president. I thought I was following what we were called to do. He intended the events of January 6th to happen. And when it did, he delighted in it. Democrats never called any witnesses, instead relied entirely on emotional and visceral video from that deadly siege. I'm not afraid of Donald Trump running again in four years. I'm afraid he's going to run again and lose because he can do this again. However, the majority of GOP lawmakers remain unconvinced and are expected to acquit the former president. One of Trump's lawyers, David Schoen, says he's ready to argue today Trump did nothing wrong. The tragedy that happened here at the Capitol, lives lost, that had nothing whatsoever to do with President Trump, but they want you to believe that it did. Analysts point out it may not matter how compelling either side's arguments are since most senators appear to have already made up their minds on acquitting Trump. And now to some major breaking news to report at this time. The Biden administration has announced plans for tens of thousands of asylum seekers waiting in Mexico. Those individuals currently in limbo as they await their next immigration court hearings will now be released into the United States while their cases proceed. In fact, the new plan calls for an estimated 25,000 asylum seekers in Mexico with active cases to be allowed in or around February 19th. This morning, Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas spoke with Univision and sent a message directly to those asylum seekers. Let's go ahead and listen. The border is not open. If people rush to the border, they will create unsafe conditions for themselves and they will not succeed in their efforts. Give us, and I know it's not easy, because I well appreciate and we well understand the suffering and the desperation, but we must have the time to do this in a safe and orderly way. They must wait. If they do not wait, 
they will endanger themselves and they will harm our efforts to build the program that we all want. The move is a major step toward dismantling one of former President Donald Trump's most controversial immigration policies aimed at deterring asylum seekers from coming to the United States. Meanwhile, several weeks into his first 100 days, President Joe Biden remains focused on passing his nearly $2 trillion COVID relief package, but that's still in limbo. And what's in limbo is his proposal to raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. Republicans and even some Democrats have voiced their opposition to this. But President Biden isn't out of options. He can still raise the minimum wage for federal contractors through executive action, which economists argue would have a ripple effect on raising standards for other workers in the nation. Joining us now to discuss all this is Bryce Covert. She's an economics journalist and a contributor for The New York Times and The Nation. Thanks so much for joining us today on You News, Bryce. Welcome. Thank you for having me. First, let's go ahead and talk about the federal minimum wage. What is it now and why haven't we seen it go up higher up until now that there are this, this type of discussions? Well, right now it's 7.25 an hour and it's been that way since 2009. That was the last time that it was raised by Congress and action has stalled in the past decade. Um, Democrats have repeatedly introduced legislation to raise it. Um, Republicans have more or less just not gotten on board. Now, what are some of the arguments for and against raising the federal minimum wage? Those who are against it say that they are afraid that it's going to cost jobs, that businesses can't afford to pay more. And in response, they would have to close down or they would have to reduce the number of people they hire. Um, but a lot of research recently, some of the more high quality research has found that actually that doesn't seem to pan out in states and cities that actually raise their wages. Um, the impact on jobs is minimal to none, um, in part because companies are able to absorb the cost in other ways. Their employees become more productive. Um, they pass the costs on to consumers. They just find ways to make it work. So as we just mentioned moments ago, if legislators don't approve Biden's push to raise the hourly wage, the president can still raise the minimum wage for workers hired by the government through executive action. What would a move like that accomplish exactly? So we can look to what his former boss, President Obama, did when he was in office. He used the power that all presidents have to set standards for federal contractors to raise pay to 10-10 an hour um, and also guarantee paid sick leave for them. Um, Biden has it within his power to raise that standard again so that these contractors are paid $15 an hour. But what's really important is that the impact wouldn't just be on those who work directly for these companies. It would likely ripple outward because these firms employ other workers and those other workers would probably see their pay increase. Um, other companies have to compete with federal contractors and might feel pressured to increase their own wages. Um, and then those federal contractors who get paid $15 an hour, they may leave that job and go elsewhere. And now they can say, hey, I was paid $15 an hour before you have to meet that in my new role. So there are lots of ways in which it would impact more people. Now, what about those small businesses out there? Would raising the minimum wage jeopardize those companies, especially during this pandemic? I mean, could it cause um, some jobs or perhaps raise the price of products? 
We might see some of that. I think with this particular action, because it's targeted at a certain group, it would be unlikely we would see really widespread negative effects like that. Um, again, they could also find ways to absorb this cost through higher productivity. There's lots of research to show that when you pay workers more, they stick around longer, um, they're more experienced, they work harder, and that brings you more for your bottom line. Um, we might see some, small, some slight increases in costs, um, but it would really also allow some federal contractors to come in who already pay higher wages but feel like they can't compete. They may offer better services, so the government might actually see some savings here if there's higher quality bids, if there's higher quality work going on because of this higher standard. All in all, where does Biden's push to raise the federal minimum wage stand right now as we speak? I think legislatively to raise the wage for all Americans, he's got a real tough road ahead of him in the Senate. Um, like you said, not all Democrats even are on board, let alone Republicans. So I think it really behooves him to look at this action that he could take all on his own. All right, thanks so much for your time and thank you for joining us, economy journalist Bryce Covert. Have a great weekend. Thank you, you too. Thank you. Vaccination efforts ramping up across the country. The Biden administration planning to have most Americans vaccinated by July and children by September. This as the CDC releases new guidelines on how to reopen schools safely. Lorraine Gussitis brings us the latest. The holiday weekend starting out with very good news. Dr. Anthony Fauci saying vaccines could be available for everyone by April and all Americans could be inoculated by July. Once you get past the priorities, then you can essentially say anybody who's anybody can just get vaccinated. I refer to that sort of to make people understand it as open season. No matter who you are, you can get a vaccine. And when you have enough vaccines to do that, then you're going to see a great surge in the number of people who get vaccinated. And that's what's going to happen as we go from April to May to June. And then hopefully by July, we'll be at that point where we have enough vaccine for virtually everyone. The president announcing the purchase of an additional 200 million doses from Pfizer and Moderna to be delivered in the coming months. We're now on track to have enough supply for 300 million Americans by the end of July. The president on Thursday touring the National Institutes of Health surprised to find out the Moderna vaccine was developed with impressive speed. So this is a timeline of what we did. We got the sequences around January the 10th last year. So that is the sequence of the virus that was spreading very rapidly in China. When we got those sequences, because we knew how to make that protein as a very good vaccine, we did that really quickly over the weekend and by the 13th, over the weekend. <laughs> over the weekend. <laughs> Meanwhile, the CDC is expected to release new guidelines on how to safely reopen schools for in-person learning. The president has said that he wants to get essentially 100% of the K-8s open in the first 100 days. I think that's doable. What you want to do is make sure it's safe for the students and safe for the teachers, the teachers 
and other personnel associated with the educational system. The Biden administration clarifying they will not issue a national mandate to reopen schools and when and how to reopen will be up to states and school districts to decide. Miami-Dade is the largest school district in the country to be fully reopened since October. The superintendent says they were guided by the experts offering free testing on site, vaccinating eligible teachers and monitoring school cases using a public dashboard. Uh, we laid out specific policy uh, approved by the board that spoke to the necessary social distancing in schools that we prepared for, the mandatory wearing of masks, uh, the designation of uh, single direction hallways. Fauci says they're expecting to have children vaccinated by the beginning of the school year in September, all if the uh, clinical trials in children have positive results. Of course, right now, clinical trials have been conducted on children from the ages of 12 to 15. Those results are being pending very soon, and then they will move on to do clinical trials on children from 5 to to 11. Meanwhile, as the country is pushing to go back to some sort of normalcy, the staggering death toll continues to climb, now surpassing more than 475,000. Andrea, back to you. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. Your news covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. And speaking of tax season, undocumented workers in California are looking at a historic first this year. Luis Mejid has more on a move to level the playing field for immigrants in the Golden State. This year, undocumented workers in California have a new and powerful reason to file their taxes. For the first time ever, California will allow them to claim earned income tax credits and credit for their small children. Experts say that could mean thousands of dollars in the workers' pockets, almost $3,000 for qualifying adults, plus 1000 for each child six years old or younger. The main requirement to qualify is to have made no more than $30,000 last year. Community organizers say the refund will make a big difference in the lives of thousands of families that have been struggling trying to make ends meet in the pandemic. Many don't know it yet, but this year tax refund might be better than expected. In San Francisco, Luis Mejid, U News. In Southern California, outrage and cause for justice after a Latino man dies in police custody. Salvador Duran brings us those details. In a chilling cell phone video, at least five Indio police officers are captured arresting a man in a busy parking lot on January 22nd. You can hear the man, who apparently may have been under the influence of drugs or alcohol, complaining that he can't breathe. But the officers proceed to make an arrest. Suddenly, they realize the man is not responsive and immediately an officer performs a CPR on the unconscious man. 
Then, the agents try to put him in the patrol unit, but never make it. The man was pronounced dead at the scene. Tiana Lizarraga is the man's daughter. She identified him as 41-year-old Jose Lizarraga Garcia. It was very shocking at first. Like, I didn't believe it in all honesty. Like, I wanted it so bad not to be my dad, you know, as, like, that sounds awful, but... I just didn't believe it was my dad at first, and it was very hard to watch. Tiana is demanding answers from police, who originally had responded to the scene because apparently Lizarraga was acting erratically. She wants to know how her dad ended up dead in a similar manner as George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota in 2020, when a local police officer pressed his knee on Floyd's neck for over eight minutes, after which Floyd was pronounced dead. India police says they're investigating. Obviously, at this point in time, uh, with the incident, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department um, um, and their investigators, along with the district attorney's office, have are conducting an independent investigation. It is a process that here in the Coachella Valley, all the law enforcement agencies follow. We have an independent agency uh, when there's critical incidences that are involved and a review is done. The family has also hired an attorney in an effort to seek justice for Jose Lizarraga Garcia. And the only thing I see going wrong on the tapes that I have is the police killing Mr. Garcia. That's the crime that I see taking place. He was always loving. Um, I would never hear him, like, him being aggressive or anything like that didn't make any sense to me. Um, simply because I've never seen him in that view or anything like that. The India Police Department also confirmed that they will be releasing the body cam videos of the officers involved in the arrest in the next few weeks. In Los Angeles, I'm Salvador Duran, U News. Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, Go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.